And that was the song Black Box by our guest today, Infinite Squid. Welcome to episode two of Goggins and Friends. Have a fantastic episode for all of you today as we bring musician Brett Pongratz onto the show. Brett and I met probably 10 years ago when we were on the same soccer team. We started talking about music and bands that we liked during a soccer practice. That led to my mom being the trooper that she is lugging up me and my guitar gear and heading over to Brett's place and, and jamming out, which even though it was so many years ago, I still remember being a lot of fun. Throughout high school, Brett helped start his own band, Renov Audio, and I helped start a band with some of my friends, KFK, and our two bands came together and played a handful of shows together over the coming years and had a lot of fun during the process. Since then, Brett was a member of the band Liberty Hall Collective, which I absolutely love. They have a song where Brett sings vocals called Rebecca, which is one of my favorites from them and highly recommend you go take a listen to. He also has since started recording music as a solo artist under the name Infinite Squid, which has been great and he's constantly been churning out new tunes and prepping for his first EP of original songs set to come out September 8th, which he talks about in this episode. So without further ado, I'll let Brett and I take it away. Oh, yeah. Please jump on into it. I love, first off, love the uh, the Infinite Squid shirt. See you oh, repping that. You. All right. Cool. <laughs> Got to represent. That's very cool to see, man. Okay. So what gave you the name for Infinite Squid? Oh, man, the name. So um, I pulled the name from just kind of like the idea of the Kraken and all the different like stories around uh, that lore. But coming up with a name, I just didn't really put too much thought into it. I been in bands where we we take like a week two weeks and it, it doesn't really matter in the long run as long as it's something that someone can remember and uh doesn't sound too lame it'll work <laughs> for sure man awesome well i think it's nice and catchy the artwork that i've seen on your Bandcamp page too is just phenomenal are you doing some of the artwork and graphic design yourself oh no um i'm working with an artist out of the uk he um he does EDM music as well, but he does a lot of graphic design. So we've been kind of just passing stuff back and forth. Like I'll do some uh, sound work for him and he'll do some um, uh, graphic design for me. So it works out perfect. Wow. Yeah, I would never guess partner over in the UK. How did that connection come about? Oh, uh, that was wild. So, uh, so you know, I've been doing kind of the tool sound. Uh, I started off with doing some covers around that genre. And he was also into that genre. He was working with a drummer out there and they were trying to get a song similar to Tool set up. And they heard me sing and they were like, hey, we've got this song, but we don't have any lyrics or vocals yet. So do you want to write? And ended up writing for that. At first I was like, I don't know, because you get hit up by a lot of people and, and you never quite know, you know, if they're actually going to, you know, hold up their <laughs> end of the bargain or not. So... Uh, but once I heard it, I was blown out of the water and yeah, went from there. So now we've done two songs together. We're working on a third at this point. And yeah, it's been a good time. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Wild connection for sure. Wild is a very good adjective to describe that. Yeah. I can only oh, yeah. imagine, especially with how active you are on social media, posting your stuff out there and pictures and things like that building your presence i can imagine you get hit up a pretty good amount of times where it's like yeah not sure if this is really legit or worth my time at all but that's cool it panned out for you yeah it's crazy instagram has been just crazy in as a networking tool overall uh just meeting people from around the world to work with like 
I had a guy from Canada. He really liked my stuff and he asked if he could design a shirt for me. And I said, well, of course, if you want to design a shirt for me, I, I can't design a shirt. So uh, yeah, just stuff like that, that you just wouldn't expect uh, to happen. Just happens when you put yourself out there on there on uh, social media. For sure. Yeah. And I want to give you some kudos and some pats on the back because of course, in preparation for the interview and just because I've been like ever since we were playing shows together back shoot like high school years like early college years which seems like forever oh, yeah. and a half ago <laughs> like I always loved the sounds that you guys were putting out and so I check on your band camp I'm like oh yeah let me check out some of the stuff that Brett's been doing went through listened to of course Infinite Squid stuff with the whole catalog even went back to some of your Liberty Hall collective stuff oh yeah, yeah. this is good indie pop indie alternative rock stuff good sound I'm in love with the song Rebecca so I've been having that on repeat at work day afternoon, which is cool. Your vocals are just top. Awesome. But I've been going through the Infinite Squid Bandcamp page, and I'm like, was just stunned where you've got the music on there, and then you've got merch on there. And you've got not just shirts, but you've got stickers on there for cars and laptops. You've got, like, there's a water bottle that's on there that's branded Infinite Squid, which is just so cool to see. I'm like, wow, I would have never guessed. But if you don't have it, then there's nothing for people to connect with much like your Instagram thing. So it's great to see. Yeah. And going along with that, the merch stuff is that's really been just a lot of people just like ask me for stuff. They'll be like, do you have stickers? And I'll be like, Oh, I don't. That's a great idea. So track it <laughs> down, throw it up on Bandcamp, And yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. man. Well, good for you for just, all right, people want it. Let's give the people what they want and find a good way to do it. Bandcamp seems to be right. ready to go we've been talking about music this whole time. What actually first got you into music? My dad's side of the family is all musicians. So um, like my great grandpa, he was super into uh, accordions. He actually like fixed accordions for people. And my grandpa and grandma, they are in a polka band. So like I, I grew up around a lot of music just as a kid and watching my dad play guitar and that sort of thing. So that's what really kicked it off for me. My parents uh, at a young age pushed me towards piano because they knew I was interested in music. So that's kind of where I started out was, um, was piano lessons and listening to the radio and watching my parents uh, play music and stuff. So Nice. Very cool. Do you still play piano? I do. I do. I wish I would have stuck with it just to be able to get like some more advanced stuff down. But I, I can still pluck out some chords here and there. So guitar, obviously, piano, a little bit. Any other instruments that you play? Uh, yeah, so uh, bass, ukulele, drums, that might be it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm always, like, picking up things here and there. So, like, I've messed around with mandolin before. That, that's kind of out there. But Wow. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? Uh, my favorite? I actually really like playing the bass. Um, that was something that kind of surprised me, but yeah, I started playing the bass around when uh, Liberty Hall Collective started up because we were all multi-instrumental, uh, multi-instrumentalists. Um, and yeah, I just have a lot of fun coming up with different parts for that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of music, uh, a lot of bass parts just are kind of more on the simple side and you can do a lot of really cool stuff with the bass. So I have fun just trying to find cool, unique, bass lines and riffs yeah i know the bass player that i played with uh his name is mike we played together a lot 
some of the stuff that he comes up with, it's tough when we're just jamming it out and we're practicing. It's tough for me to actually not stop playing just because I'm so impressed with what he's playing. But I know that we need to also all be playing at the same time. But for me to just be like, just I just want to stop my guitar and just sit there and watch what he's doing because the bass is such a cool instrument. So since you picked up all these things over the years, what's kind of the inspiration for like, all right, I've got piano down, I've got guitar down, let me try something else. Uh, yeah, so I think Liberty Hall Collective really pushed me forward um, as far as like bass and drums. I mean, I'd messed around with drums. Uh, I played percussion in bands, that sort of thing, but I didn't really play in a, I guess a rock band or anything up until college when I kind of explored it more. The bass was kind of the same thing. The ukulele, on the other hand, um, I was doing guitar lessons in Rapids and somebody wanted ukulele lessons. So <laughs> that's kind of how I picked that up. But yeah, the one thing I tried to pick up and I just couldn't do very well was violin. I've got it sitting over there. I'm looking at it right now. And that is a tough <laughs> instrument to play. <laughs> I can imagine. It's been so intimidating me. I've never even picked one up. I don't even think I've looked one's direction in an actual music store before. <laughs> I'm like, that's way out, of, way out of my skill level for sure. That's cool. You've got one though, just in case one night comes across, you know what? Someone's going to, someone's going to ask me to do a violin part on a song. Going to have it ready to go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that you've gone through with all the instruments that you play, obviously being in, at least that I know of, I mean, there was rent of audio way back at the beginning. Liberty Hall Collect, now Infinite Squid, like even a part of a lot of different bands that have all put out recorded music. And I know with your experience doing an internship in a studio, curious to get your perspective on what's your favorite part of the music making process. Yeah, I really like the writing process and I guess also the mixing and editing process. So everything between that recording, I'm like, ah, that's fine. But yeah, sitting down and writing where you get to be really creative. And then after everything's recorded and you start mixing and mastering, you can actually add more creativity in at that point. So yeah, I, I just like the creative aspect. When you're talking about the writing process, are you talking about like writing the music itself or writing the lyrics for both? Definitely more on the music portion, but I, I do enjoy writing the lyrics as well. But yeah, more, more so music than lyrics. And when, I mean, you talked about when you were first starting out doing the solo thing, building your presence, doing a lot of the tool covers and things like that. Of course, I know that you've done some Chevelle covers. When I was listening through to one of your songs in your Bandcamp page, I got a real Breaking Benjamin vibe. I know that you're big on listing out your influences for all the songs, like on Black Box, for example, and putting out on Spotify, here are some of the artists that go through and inspire me when I'm going through and making a song, which I think is a great thing. Are there any bands in particular that stick out to you as throughout your entire catalog of music that are just huge influences for you? Yeah, so Panic at the Disco is, is one for sure, going all the way back. Mayday Parade, kind of the same thing. Bon Bear, And yeah, I guess like more recently, stuff like Tool and Chevelle have been a big um, kind of driving force. And I'm thinking System of a Down is going to have a lot of influence going forward. So I don't know, I'm kind of all over the place. But yeah, like Panic at the Disco inspired like quite a bit of the Liberty Hall Collective stuff and still inspires music today, even though I'm not really writing in that genre. 
interesting how even though the music had shifted, the influences and some of like the principles of that band that you liked at that point in time, I'm sure that there's still some inklings of Panic at the Disco shining through in Black Box. Oh yeah. Yeah. How's it sure. been for you to sit back since you've been making music for years and years and years to sit there and look back at some of your old songs and just see like, okay, wow, my sounds really changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's crazy. I, I look back at some of the stuff like Renovadio in high school and we're like, we're recording that in like a garage band with a USB, like rock band microphone plugged in the computer. <laughs> uh, like and it didn't sound good at all, but like, you know, the musicality is still there. But yeah, it's just really interesting to see how how it, it kind of changed going from, you know, I was in Renovadio with different uh, musicians there, went to Liberty Hall Collective with uh, two powerhouse songwriters, um, still doing music stuff today, even though we're not together. And then kind of moving into doing my own thing. It's just been really interesting to see how all those different musicians have kind of left a bit of a mark on me as far as my style and how I look at uh, approaching recording and uh, mixing music. That's very cool. When you can, much like the music influences, take some of them as you go and you go throughout kind of that phase of your life where you're into that band. Same thing with different bands that you're a part of and taking something from it. Very cool. Very cool. Now on the mixing and mastering side of things, because you talk about getting creative and now for me as a musician, that's an area that I'm starting to venture a little bit more into as well. And I'm intimidated like all hell about it. So I like to get your perspective on the creative aspect of things. What got you into being interested in the mixing and mastering part? So I went to school for music production because I knew I wanted to do something related to music. And that's where kind of that summer I started messing around with like uh, Pro Tools, which is the, the industry standard not so much anymore, but was at the time. And then going to school and actually being able to get into a recording studio with all the gear, fancy you know, computer setup, all the different plugins. And what was really unique about the program I did is we had unlimited time in the studio. So in most schools, you can only book out like 30 minutes every week or like that sort of thing. But if no one was down there, I could stay in there pretty much all week, just messing around with different sounds bringing different artists from campus down, messing around with a lot of stuff. So I took a lot of advantage of that. And I think that's where a lot of my mixing and mastering skills came from. YouTube, of course, there's a ton of great you know, <laughs> tutorials out there. Uh, picked up a lot of interesting tips from that. And then just kind of like listening to stuff and trying to, trying to like figure out how they did things. Like you'll hear just some crazy, like weird techniques in modern music that you're like, how... How'd they do that? Like, obviously it's not an instrument. They did something afterwards and like trying to figure out what they did to do that. Like that stuff's really interesting to me too. So yeah, I, th I think it's a combo of all, all those things. Are there a few examples that stick out of like just sitting there just baffled at how they did something in the mixing and mastering process? Yeah, let me, let me think on that. I mean, there's like uh, Amber Run has this song called I Found, I think. But it's got this really, really cool, um, kind of this really cool uh, vocal harmony to it. But it's very full, too. Like, it's kind of hard to explain. But okay. that sort of thing, that was one thing that in the past year I heard. And I was like, oh, man. Or like Bon Iver, uh, he recorded his whole first album in a cabin in the woods with an SM57. 
which is like, oh man, how did you record this album that's won, you know, multiple awards, sold millions of copies, and you did it on a laptop with like the most basic of mics and just some instruments. <laughs> it's like, like, how did you do that? <laughs> so like, <laughs> like things like that, just kind of digging into different, different artists like that. And like Bon Iver is definitely one where I'd say I, a lot of his mixing mastering techniques I try to figure out what he's doing because it's always crazy. For sure. I know as a, uh, as a Wisconsinite, I know that uh, some of the musicians I played with, they're all big Boney Bear fans because oh, yeah. of course, he was cabin up in the woods. I think it was in Wisconsin or it was in Minnesota. So of course there's some state yeah. loyal there. Yeah, That's very <laughs> oh, cool yeah. though. It's nice to have artists picked out that, all right, this is who I go to for trying to just get some good examples of what a good mix and a good master sounds like that you can rely on and do some side-by-side -side comparisons when you're going through and comparing your tunes and stuff. So for me, who's trying to learn how to mix and master, when you were going through the process of getting your skills down, what was one of the hardest things about picking this up for the first time? So starting in Pro Tools, I guess, probably wasn't the best choice. Uh, Pro Tools is the industry standard, but it's also kind of, it's bloated and maybe has just too many things you can do with it that, that you don't really need. I've landed on Studio One now, which is awesome. And I guess like starting out, it was more like, how do I get like everything in time? How do I get like the pitches to sound right? Because at the end of the day, you want, you know, your music to be in time, in tune before you even start mixing and mastering. So that, that was something I focused on a lot was like learning Melodyne so I could pitch tune vocals. Um, and then more recently, learning how to pocket so I can actually get, even if a take isn't like 100% in time, I can still kind of move everything around to make it in time eventually. So those are two things that are like really challenging, but are probably like the most important things I've learned. Okay. Um, and then like just getting uh, good at EQing and compressing those uh those are like simple things but there's so much nuance there that you can mess around with and uh the better you get at it the better your mixes are going to be so yeah I'd say like those things are just like the core that uh someone would want to focus on when they're getting into mixing mastering editing that sort of thing Got it. Okay, that's good to know. Studio One, that's the pre-sonus, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I ended up getting that as a demo, actually, because I bought their interface. So they got a two-channel interface that they sell, and it comes with Studio One Artist, which is, like, their bare-bones version. Like, you can still record, you can save stuff, but you can't add third-party plugins, and you're missing, like, a couple features. Mm -hmm. So I started off with that, and I, I just really loved the, the software. Like they have this button you can click that basically like brings up a mix for a, any instrument you want. Like you'd hit guitar, like acoustic, and it'll basically like do all the presets for you. And then you can go in and adjust that to how you, how you want it. But you have a really nice base to start with. And like, that is super powerful and saves so much time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, my parents, they got me that same, I think it's probably that same interface that you're talking about from PreSonus and it came with the demo studio one and I'm still using the demo version for it but you're so right about it's the good. preset because I came through and I'm like I've never used a DAW before so I don't know what I'm doing but they had all the presets on there I'm like this is the first time I learned about what a compressor does what an EQ does 
and then being able to, I was doing some recording the other day and I looked through, I've got probably 30 custom presets that I've built off of the template ones and saved on there. I'm like, all right, if I'm putting an album together and want the guitar to sound the same the whole time, I don't have to go through and do all of this mad science 50 different times to go and put 10 songs together. But yeah, it's very cool. By far my favorite uh, software I've used. All right, good to know. It's the only one I've used, and so I'm always kind of worried, like, all right, is the grass greener on the other side if I go switch it up? But from uh, from someone who's used a few like you, it's good to know I'm with a good one. Now, you talked about using Melodyne for pitches on vocals, and I know that, of course, you picked up and played different instruments, but singing is always one that's kind of an interesting beast to tackle. So from you, I'd like to get your perspective on what are some of the things that you did to build and improve and be confident in your singing skills over the years yeah so um i would sing when i was playing guitar uh like early early high school but i wasn't super like confident in myself singing at that point until i had so we had this like senior show sort of thing at the end of the year where the seniors would do uh some sort of like duet or a solo or something um and this was at the end of like the choir season so one of my friends asked me to do the guitar for him um while he sang and then talked me into doing uh the harmonies so <laughs> i was doing guitar and harmonies uh but anyways i was messing around on stage uh before we were supposed to practice and the choir teacher overheard me and uh told me I, I better join choir or else basically. So <laughs> they're like, and uh, she also made me do my own song at that point. So yeah, that, that kind of gave me a little confidence boost uh, performing in that show. Cause I don't know, there were like 200, 300 people there and I was wow. just nervous as hell, but um, yeah, I know everybody loved it. And I was just like, oh, maybe, maybe I do sound good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. so that's kind of where that started. Yeah, is that confidence is like the biggest thing when it comes to singing and singing well? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, of course, there's like the technicals, like you want to hit the pitch and stuff. But to be able to, you know, sing in front of a crowd or feel you're good enough, it, it really is nice to have that validation that, you know, you, you can you can sing because we're our own worst critic most of the time. So, um, yeah, having just like that feedback was really helpful for me going forward into my career otherwise I might have just ended up doing uh just like lead guitar or something um yeah so yeah I definitely uh changed my course there and then I guess like singing wise I, I was always really interested in can I sing and play guitar even if the guitar part is hard so like that's something I I practice a lot and I think benefited me as well as, of course, I, I did join choir after she asked me to join choir, <laughs> and uh, I did that for a while. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's always good, too. <laughs> yeah, good formal practice there, for sure. Or else, yeah, we'd hate to find out what that or else is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did it feel for the first time when you were going through where singing covers, I'm sure, is one thing, but now you're having to write your own lyrics and then sing them on stage in front of people. I imagine that there's probably a sense of vulnerability there when you're putting your own thoughts and creative ideas out there in front of people for the first time, and then it's your ability to actually confidently convey that message through a song. How did that feel for the first few times for you? Oh, 
yeah so yeah definitely nervous for sure that that came into play i mean we started off doing a lot of covers in red of audio and then we wrote a few songs that were our own and happened to play those kind of at smaller more intimate shows where it was mostly just like friends and some friends of friends so i think that helped a lot just like uh having like a little practice before in kind of a group of people that you feel a little more safe with but there's kind of still always that fear in the back of your head that someone won't like your music or won't like this i would say as i've gotten older i've kind of come to the realization that like even great artists like people don't like their stuff so like yeah as long as you're connecting with you know your group of people the people that are going to support you that's the most important thing so like I don't really pay too much attention to like the haters anymore um, just because like I just keep in mind that you know maybe they don't even like uh, you know Tool or maybe maybe they really like Tool and they're like how dare you try to imitate this great artist I've gotten that a few times or <laughs> or this sounds too similar or this sounds you know not similar enough so yeah you can't please everybody but um yeah, just just kind of remembering how many people out there listen to music and just knowing that like even if a small amount of those people like your stuff, like that's still a lot of people. So yeah, yeah, that's just kind of the mindset change I've gone through. Okay. But yeah, even today, like if I put a song out, I'm like, oh man, I hope this is a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But I think your comment about even if a small people listen to it and like it, that's still a lot of people because people have more music than they know what to do with at their fingertips. And so the fact oh, they're taking sure. it out of their day to be like, you know what, I'm going to listen to the new, listen to new infinite squid release. You know I mean? That's still like a big commitment they're making. And most of them from the comments I've seen on Instagram, they're big fans and they like what you're putting out. So good for you for being able to block out the haters as we call them over the years yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna put this out because I want to put it out I think it sounds good regardless of what anyone else says but very cool to hear so now with people that are wanting to either get into music or that are just starting out any recommendations you have for them yeah so um if they're looking to start uh their own career try not to fall into the trap of wanting a record deal <laughs> off the bat they're not as great as they sounded back in the day. Now that we have so much power with uh, technology at our fingertips, we can just do so much of that stuff ourselves. So that would be the first thing is just that mindset shift to, I'm either gonna have to do this like all myself or I'm gonna have to pull people in that can help me achieve this goal. Like kind of looking at it more of, you know, indie musician sort of business, learning that side of it, it's really important. So of course you wanna get your music good. Things I've heard is you can still build a pretty good audience off of music that's 70 to 80% as good as something you hear on the radio. Uh, so if you can shoot for that, for what your music sounds like, and then you start getting some marketing and social media under your belt, like you'll do fine. Nice, good tips, good tips for sure. And with tips for getting some marketing and social media under your belt, would you recommend a similar type of approach like what you've taken with Infinite Squid? Yeah, so um, every platform is gonna be different, but like take Instagram, for example, like you wanna be posting a lot. So you wanna post, you know, once a day at least, and then you wanna post a couple stories if you can. 
And one thing I like about Instagram over like Facebook would be stories. You can do a lot of like interactive stuff. So you can have polls, you can share your, your music directly there. Uh, you can do all sorts of really cool stuff with that, even countdowns to your release. So um, that kind of stuff, then people can uh, interact with it. You can kind of just see who on your follower list is like really engaged. And that kind of helps you um, whether you're planning to like release a new song or you're you're like deciding do I want to cover this song or this song you just throw it out to your audience and they pretty much tell you what to do which is is great it takes all the guesswork out of it so yeah like stuff like that and just taking action I would say is like the biggest thing like I was super scared to post uh, on Instagram because I like I'm not super good at writing social posts I guess um, I'm more like poetry, lyrical. So like breaking past that barrier and just realizing that I had to just put a lot of practice into it to get better at it. That's helped a lot. So yeah, uh, whatever you're gonna start doing, just like throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. And yeah, and you know, you can make a lot of mistakes along the way and recover. So yeah, just just taking action is, is really big, especially on uh, social media platforms. Oh, and then so for marketing, one thing I would definitely say is look into email lists. Email lists are so powerful. I mean, you can get a follower on Instagram, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to see everything. And at some point, Instagram could go under or your account could be hacked or banned or something. So uh, being able to move followers into an email list so that you can actually like contact them pretty much whenever. Super powerful. And it actually, a lot of people still read their email, which is kind of surprising to me. But <laughs> yeah, I'd say like that's been a really big driving force behind how many people listen and follow my music has been this email list concept. That's good to know. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that, but it seems like a really cool idea. Is it easy to set up? Yeah. Yeah, so you can use, uh, there's like a lot of free software out there, but I use MailChimp and you can set up inside the software, like even a landing page just to collect emails. So like uh, what I do is I offer something free to my audience. Right now it's a five song uh, EP that has a couple covers and my first two singles. And um, in exchange for giving me their email address, I send them the, the EP and then they'll get updates from me pretty much every time I release something and I'm trying to build it up to where like it's automated to send out one a week so you can do a lot of really cool stuff in there um, where it's just like automated and once you have it set up basically all you have to do is send people to this link and it walks them through uh, this journey that you take them on you can tell like a whole story you can uh, share pretty much every piece of content you've ever done and yeah, it's a really good place to move people from different platforms too. So if you pull someone in from Instagram, you can move them over to, oh, I've got this YouTube video or, oh, I released this on Spotify, go follow me there. And it really just helps bring people into that web of like all the different things you're doing. Nice. Yeah. You've got all these different parts of social media technology working for you and funneling everyone to different places, but it all stems back to you. Very cool. Yeah. Love it. Very creative idea have so many different things working in your favor. That's awesome. So we've talked, you're moving to Denver in about two months. Shows are starting to happen. You're finally going to be in a place where you can actually go see some acts that are touring around. 
what are some of the big bands that are on your radar that you're wanting to see? Oh man, there's there's quite a few. So there's there's Tool, of course, Chevelle. I really want to see um, their new album. It's like this really cool space theme, and I, I just want to see what they do with it on stage. So that could be cool. Uh, Bonavere is always on my list. Haven't gotten the chance to see them yet. And Panic at the Disco. There have been a few times I was on my way to see Panic at the Disco or, uh, well, not necessarily on my way, but <laughs> we were going to go see them and then it fell through for whatever reason. So uh, actually being in the area to where I can just drive like 30, 40 minutes to see a show, is going to be great. Oh, absolutely. You're not going to know what to do with yourself. You're going to be at shows all the time. That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater is out there. I'm so excited to see a show there. So that's on my list. Yes. How did I not bring it up the first time that you said that you were <laughs> at Denver? Because that's on the bucket list for sure. Just the pictures, the live performances I've seen, like on video there, they look out of this world. I can only imagine, like those videos probably pale in comparison to the real thing, which you're going to get to see, which is so cool. Oh, yeah. Now, with bands touring, new music coming out, I saw on Instagram that you're planning to put out an album mid-September. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So right now the plan is mid-September. Um, I'm finalizing some arts, finalizing two more songs that are going to be on it. But yeah, the plan is uh, somewhere around September 8th to have that launch. Awesome. Do you have a name picked out for you? I don't. I don't have a name picked out. Um, that uh, So I was telling you I'm working with that UK um, artist. He uh, He's going to have a track on there. So we're kind of working together on how we're going to put this out. So um, it's kind of work in progress, but I'm really excited to see where it goes. For sure. This will be the first full-length album for Infinite Squid, right? Uh, this will be an EP still. So okay. it'll be five to six songs. Got it. Okay. All originals? Yep, all originals. Okay. Wow, very cool. Awesome. So September 8th is the, is the date. I know that I'll be posted to my calendar and I'll be signing up for the email list so I can make sure I can stay in the loop on it. But for anyone who's listening, feel free to let them know where all the different spots that they can follow you. Yeah. So uh, Instagram is probably where I'm most active, but I've got a YouTube account where I put out, you know, my videos uh, for music. I do some covers and I do some like tutorials. So um, anybody who's looking to get into music, there's some good tutorials on there and I'm working on building out more. Spotify, anywhere you can stream music, I'm on there. <laughs> and uh, I do have a TikTok that I'm not very active on, but I do have a TikTok. <laughs> Wait, what, are, what are some of the things on your TikTok? Oh, man. Well, yeah, so most of my TikTok stuff is just like me doing like quick covers. Like I'll do like a chorus of something that I didn't feel like doing a full cover for or like just show off a riff for that kind of, kind of thing trying to get a little more creative with it like uh this next year i want to do more storytelling somehow through it which i haven't quite pinned down how to do that but um yeah yeah that's that's on my bucket list for this year so nice very cool again using all the different platforms to your advantage i love it well Brett, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time it's great to catch up after it's been way too many years but super happy to see all the great things that you're doing love all the music that you're putting out can't wait for september 8th and all the releases that you'll drop between now and then. But thank you so much for taking the time. Anything else you'd want to say before we part ways here? 
No, I don't think I have anything. Uh, yeah, you guys can check out my newest song, Black Box, on Spotify. A lot of people have been loving that, been hitting me up on that. So, yeah, if you got some time, check that out. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll make sure to uh, to throw that at the end here as the podcast fades to black. That way everyone will get a chance to hear it and then go check out your Spotify as well. Sweet. Awesome. It was fantastic getting a chance to catch up with Brett. I walked away having learned a lot about some of the grassroots ideas for getting off the ground as an independent musician with things like merch and new ways to market. That email list idea is something I had never thought of before, but is so, so great. To whoever was the choir teacher at Nakusa High School, I'm happy, and I'm sure many other people are happy, that you convinced Brett to pursue singing, because the music he's put out is just phenomenal. You can find the links to Brett's music in the description for the episode, and I highly recommend checking them out. Thank you so much to Brett for taking the time to catch up and share his musical journey, and thank you all so much for taking the time to listen. The song you're listening to right now is Rebecca by a band that Brett mentioned he was in earlier, Liberty Hall Collective. And the song that you're about to hear is Brett's new single, Black Box by Infinite Squid.